the Chilean British Radio. The only Chilean radio in English. Episode 6 of You, Me and Her, your weekly dose of feminism here on the Chilean British Radio. I'm Emma, your host, and we're currently live. I'll be here for the next hour playing female artists or vocalists only and discussing feminist issues. You can catch up on past episodes by searching for the Chilean British Radio on Mixcloud and Spotify. Today we're talking about feminism in the world of work. I'll be asking whether or not the gender pay gap really exists, what gender pay gap even refers to anyway, the causes for gender differences in salary, and where the sources of inequality are found in employment. First up though, it's our first song, 9 to 5 by Dolly Parton. Stumble to the kitchen, pour myself a cup of ambition and yawn and stretch and try to come to life. Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping. Out on the streets, the traffic starts jumping with folks like me on the job from nine to five. Working nine to five. Step on the boss man's ladder, but you got dreams he'll never take away. In the same boat with a lot of your friends, waiting for the day your ship will come in and the tide's gonna turn and it's all gonna roll your way.
First of all, let's talk about how we define the gender pay gap. There are so many different arguments around the gender pay gap flying around on the internet, and at first glance, it's difficult to know whether to know whether to believe those who say that it has been and still is an important equality issue, or those who argue that the gender wage gap is a myth. So, luckily for you, for you, this week I did some serious research into the topic, and I'm here to tell you what I found out. Now, you may have already heard this statistic: in the UK, women earn 18% less than men. In other words, women earn 88 pence for every pound that a man earns. However, what is wrong with that statistic? First of all, people get confused and they think that it means that a man and a woman working in the same role in the same company earn different amounts. And while that can be the case, and this is true in some professions and companies, that's not what the gender wage gap refers to. It means that women often have less earning potential across the board in comparison to men, and not that they get paid less for the same work. Secondly, many people take issue with the statistic because it's all women compared with all men those who work part-time and those who work full-time. Obviously, it's likely that those who work part-time will earn less than full-time workers, and women, for reasons that we'll come to later, are more likely to work part-time. And thirdly, it doesn't take into account intersectional factors, like the fact that black women often earn less than white women, and white women earn often more than black men. However, even when we only compare full-time roles of all men and women, there's still a 9% difference in the UK. So why do full-time female workers earn less than full-time male workers in the UK? We're about to discuss the many varied reasons for this, which is like a wall made out of lots of different materials in a few minutes. So to summarise, yes, the pay gap does exist, but it's complicated. It's also worth noting some potentially good news. This data is likely to become more clear and more useful this year, as for the first time in the UK, all companies with over 250 employees will have to publish gender pay data. This data is important not just to see a pattern or a problem and to solve it, but also as an incentive to companies to lead the way forward in tackling any internal inequalities. Next up then, it's our second song, which was written in 1981, about the same issues we're talking about today. It's 59 Cents by Bobby McGee. Dreams come easy and free But you're a working woman What you gonna be? A senator, a surgeon Aim for the heights But the guidance office says Lower your sights to 59 cents for every man's dollar 59 cents, that's the name of the game 59 cents makes a grown woman holler They give you a diploma But they treat you the same It's off to college to sharpen your mind, to polish your manners, come at refined. Honors in English, but your bosses gripe. Shakespeare's nice, but I wish you could type. 59 cents for every man's dollar. 59 cents, that's the name of the game. 59 cents makes a grown woman holler. They give you a degree, but they treat you the same. 
junior executive on her way up special assistant to the man at the top she's one in a million but all she's found was her own secretary now to order around 59 cents for every man's dollar 59 cents that's the name of the game 59 cents makes a grown woman holler they give you a title but they treat you the same The word is being processed in the tapping pool. A working woman ain't nobody's fool. She's telling the boss on Secretary's Day, you can keep your flowers, honey, give me a raise. More than 59 cents for every man's dollar. 59 cents, that's the name of the game. 59 cents makes a grown woman holler. You can keep your flowers, honey, Give me a rain. There's another problem inherent to the gender pay gap, and that's how we value work, the concept of work. Usually, when we discuss the working world, we immediately think about the world outside the home. In other words, we think about the public sphere. We think about governments, companies, entrepreneurs, part-time jobs, pensions, and so on. But we don't often think about the unpaid work which gets done around the world every single day. For example, let's think about childcare. It's a typical example of unpaid work, but it's also a really useful one because childcare is something that can be paid for. It's a task which is commercially sellable. Nurseries and babysitters earn money by looking after children and saving the parents and guardians time. However, if the parent does not employ someone to perform this task, they will obviously have to do this themselves and they won't be paid for it. Great, you're probably thinking, that's perfectly logical. And it is. But the time the parent uses to perform this childcare does not just go unpaid, it also goes largely unnoticed and unvalued as work on the same level as another job, despite the fact that it is arguably both harder and more endless than any other profession. Furthermore, if the parent works another job aside from parenting, then the childcare will eat into their potential earning time and their own personal time so that they may have to work fewer hours at their other job or perform more poorly or even change careers altogether, often resulting in less money. You can apply the same logic to other examples of unpaid and undervalued work, such as caring responsibilities for elderly relatives, partners, friends and so on. Now, if all genders did this childcare or care work equally, then it wouldn't really be a feminist issue because everyone would be affected equally. But they're not. And this is one of the key issues which can contribute to the gender pay gap. I'm going to be explaining this in more detail right after the break because this next song is talking about how our expectations may be different when we are younger. This is When I Was a Boy by Dar Williams. I learned to fly, I learned to fight, I 
lived a whole life in one night. We saved each other's lives out on the pirate deck. And I remember that night when leaving a late night with some friends. And I hear somebody tell me it's not safe. Someone should help me. I need to find a nice man to walk me home. When I was a boy. Scared the pants off of my mom Climbed what I could climb up And I don't know how I survived I guess I knew the tricks that all boys knew And you
So we've already established that there really is a gender pay gap. Men tend to earn more money than women and have more opportunities to do so. But why? Now, I've already kind of hinted at the very first reason, and it's perhaps the most obvious too, which can be summarised as the motherhood penalty. In the US, a study has estimated that a woman's future wages fall 4% per child and 10% per child for women with higher salaries. Furthermore, employees often don't want to hire women who they perceive as being of childbearing age. But if both men and women took parental leave at a similar rate, then employers wouldn't be able to discriminate like this, as a man would also be at risk of leaving the job to look after his children. Second of all, we've got childcare costs. So even if a mother goes back to work soon after giving birth, the cost of childcare is likely to wipe out a lot of her salary, which might even make it unfeasible for her to work at all, especially if she is a single parent. It often makes sense, therefore, for the person on the lowest salary in a couple to give up work for a while. And since women often find themselves in the lower paid jobs, it ends up being the women who give up work. Now, another Another problem is, of course, parental leave, which differs so much between every country. And in many countries, parental leave policies make it almost impossible for women and men to share the childcare burden, which isn't fair on women or men. And even when men are offered similar rights to paternal leave, many men don't take it due to a lack of societal acceptance or societal expectation or just enough motivation to do so. There are no incentives. So only in countries where men have been given an allowance that only the fathers can take, only then has the take-up rate increased drastically. Now, this, all of these factors lead to the fact that women often feel they have to prove themselves before parenthood because once a woman takes time off work to have children, she feels she needs to have already achieved something, already been promoted in her career, so that she'll be able to return to a well-paid job after taking leave. Next up, we are listening to The Saturdays with Up, which will lead into our next topic.
section up is where we go from here find this selection this could take us anywhere i don't want protection life is better off the line listening to the Chilean British Radio and that was Up by the Saturdays. Now, talking about going up, it's time we discuss the promotion myth. People have suggested that women don't ask for promotion as often as men, but that's not strictly true. Studies have shown that there are the same number of requests, but these requests are less commonly accepted among women for various societal reasons like a fear of female leadership, Um, or, again, the motherhood penalty. And then, of course, the other problem is that we are conditioned to think about certain careers for different genders from a very young age. Little girls are pointed towards pink, soft toys, dolls, cooking equipment, while boys are often encouraged to play with construction toys, counting games, cars... Is it really any surprise then that these children grow up with an image of the types of activity designed for them? Then that leads to a female-dominated, low-paid, unskilled sector. So, of course, in order for society to function, all different types of work are needed. We need people in shops, we need secretaries, we need executive bosses, we need secretarial work, we need care work, we need factory workers. So... Why is it that we tend to value administrative and secretarial work, care work, customer services, cleaning work, less than other types like those executive bosses and the technology companies and lawyers and things like that? These jobs, these female-dominated jobs, are paid less and are mostly occupied, as we discussed, by women, partly due to the bias that they've ingrained from a young age Uh, these expectations and partly due to practical considerations uh, a lack of equal opportunities and a whole range of factors Um, then these tendency this tendency is then reinforced in gendered language in job adverts research has compared reactions to stereotypically masculine words in job adverts like leader competitive genius um, to compared with feminine words like support, interpersonal, understand. The women in this study interpreted the masculine words as pointing towards an unaccommodating masculine workplace where they wouldn't belong. It wasn't that they didn't think they could do the job described, it was simply that they didn't feel they would fit in. 
This same phenomena can be applied to black and minority ethnicity workers as well who find themselves excluded by representations or suggestions of exclusive workplaces. So our next song is by Fifth Harmony and it's That's My Girl. Pretty Girl with 
by Maggie Lindemann. I can swear, I can joke, I say what's on my mind if I drink, if I smoke, I keep up with the guys and you'll see me holding up my middle finger to the world, fuck your ribbons and your pearls, cause I'm not just a pretty girl. I'm more than just a picture I'm a daughter and a sister Sometimes it's hard for me to show That I'm more than just a rumor Or a song on your computer There's more to me than people know Some days I'm broke Some days I'm rich Some days I'm nice Some days I can be a discussing the reasons for the gender pay gap in the UK. We've talked about some very specific reasons, but there are also plenty of cultural factors in the UK which are very different to iron out. So first of all, there's a phenomenon called the confirmation bias, in which researchers showed that bosses tend to hire and promote in their image. 
Now that means that a older white male boss is more likely for some reason to empathize with and therefore hire slash promote another white man. Second of all, men are expected societally to be better, to be more intelligent, to be more skilled in certain fields, and so they are rewarded when indeed they are good at it, whereas women's achievements go less noticed. As a result, men often get more credit in group tasks. This is particularly evident in academic circles with research papers where men are more likely to be cited than women. Um, Men's achievements are often viewed as more valuable than women's, maybe because of their greater share of voice um, in the media, in representation, um, and maybe even because in, when me- multiple people are having a meeting, male and female speech patterns can be quite different and can mean that women are talked over more often, their ideas get stolen more often. Uh, I really recommend reading Feminist Fight Club by Jessica Bennett for more information about this and also how to combat it. We also see that there's a tendency to provide extra financial bonuses to men as a result of this extra credit and this confirmation bias, which makes the gender pay gap much worse. And then, of course, we have the phenomenon in the UK of boys clubs, so-called boys clubs, which mean that there is kind of a network um, of a certain group of people, perhaps private education, perhaps in boys' nights, gendered work activities that are very much aimed to only some colleagues. Um, Basically an ingrained white male privilege. When you think about, for example, in the government, in 2018, 34% of Prime Minister Theresa May's cabinet had received a private education. That's a third of her cabinet gone to private schools, despite the fact that's not that's not a, re- a representative figure of the United Kingdom's population, and almost half of her cabinet had attended Oxford or Cambridge. Again, not particularly representative, but definitely seems to suggest a kind of privileging of a certain group of people and a certain importance of networking. However, flipping that boys' club on its head, we've next got Selenia Gomez with Me and My Girls.
cry We're stirring up this summer night Tan skin looks damn good and white Stripping down by the Hollywood sun If we want it, we take it If we need money, we make it Nobody knows if we fake it You like to watch when we shake it I know we're making you thirsty You want us all in the worst way But you don't understand, I don't need a man Me and my girls, me and my girls, me and my, me and my, me and my, me and my girls, my girls, me and my girls, no hearts, no sorrows, me and my girls. forgets about women. Now, a lot of things in society are designed to be gender neutral, anti-discriminatory, anti-discriminatory, that is, average and universal. But in fact, what we often think of as universal turns out to be male. We think that people means men. Even when you ask a child of a young age to add, to draw a person or to draw a scientist or any other average profession, what often comes out is a man on the paper. That's why when students learn about a female experience in a part of history, for example, they might not think it's neutral. They call it women's history. But if they study 10 male authors in a year, no one calls that male studies. They call it simply authors of the 19th century. The working world is no exception. So how exactly is the working world still oriented towards men? I've been doing some reading. So first of all, let's think about pensions. In the UK, pensions are based off schemes which take into account A, how much you've paid into your pension pot in your lifetime, and B, how long you're expected to live and therefore how much time you'll need the pension payments. However, this is not gender neutral. As we've already discussed, women earn less in their lifetime than men, significantly less, and therefore they're unable to contribute quite as much as a higher earning male to their pension fund. Second, women tend to live longer and therefore will require the money to last longer, which means less money per year. So when women are penalised for earning less and having to take off time for care responsibilities, and they're also penalised for living longer. 
However, that's not all. The types of work that women do are different too. In the UK, the government recently shifted to an auto-enrolment system, which requires workers to earn at least £10,000 per year. However, the system fails to take into account that many women, while they do earn this amount in a year, they don't always earn it from a single employer, but from multiple employers. This means that 32% of employed women earning over this amount will not earn enough from a single source to benefit from this system. Only 14% of men are affected by this flaw in the system. Therefore, what we often see as neutral is male in a phenomena which has been named the gender data gap by Caroline Criado Perez in a very interesting book called Invisible Women. Taking a break for another song now, and this is Lion Babe with Wonder Woman.
this is the Chilean British Radio and that was Lion Babe. Now, the second source of invisible male bias in the world is found in the standard hours for the working day and it is again another cause of the gender pay gap. Around the world, working culture dictates that long hours in the office equals hard work, even if the same amount of work could be achieved in a shorter time or even at home. Flexible hours remain rare, as does remote working. Only 9.8% of job ads in the UK offer flexible working. And even when the idea is offered, women are often penalised for taking it, as employers see them as less hardworking and less ambitious. This is particularly bad in Japan, where an extreme work culture sees employees staying in the office past midnight. There is also a two-track career system whereby workers can choose to pursue ambitious career advancements for more money and longer hours, or they can have fewer, more flexible hours for less money and very little advancement. If you have young children at home or a sick relative, you have no choice but to take the non-career track. As a result, 70% of Japanese women stop working altogether for a decade or more after their first child, and Japan has the third largest gender pay gap in the OECD region. Finally, we see an unexpected gender bias in the concept of work expenses too. Companies will often pay for travel, tools, uniforms, all the things which allow an employee to do their job to the best of their ability. It does not generally cover personal or family expenses. But what on earth are personal or family expenses? Let's look at an example. Imagine there's a work conference followed by a drinks reception at a fancy hotel outside the city. Work expenses will likely cover the cost of the meal, transport to get there and back, and even a hotel stay so that employees can drink at the reception. For an unencumbered male employee, or perhaps an employee with children and a significant other at home to look after the children, and as we've discussed, the parent who stays at home is often the mother, that's all they would need to enjoy the evening. They're the standard needs, but they're also very much male-oriented ones. However, for a single parent, of which 90% in the UK are women, and so it is a woman's issue, the night out would be impossible without childcare as well. So her male colleagues can go out and get a drink and get a hotel paid for so they don't have to drive home, but a single parent can't even get childcare covered usually to allow her to attend in the first place. Expense codes are still based, therefore, on the old reality, the assumption that an employee has a wife at home doing the cleaning and the cooking and taking care of the kids. So really, there are three categories when we look at the workplace. There are women with children, women without children, and men. Here, with a song about being able to afford our own stuff, it's Ariana Grande with Seven Rings. Gloss is dropping. You like my hair? She thinks just put it. I 
to the Chilean British Radio and my show is coming to an end so we're moving on to our feminist of the week. This week's chosen feminist is the most historic feminist yet. Her name is Amelia Lanier and she was alive in Shakespeare's time making her one of the first ever feminist writers in the English language. After the death of her father she lived with the Countess of Kent where she learnt Latin and was given a humanist education, a great privilege for women of, of the time. She rubbed shoulders with quite a few well-off men of the period. She was the mistress of Queen Elizabeth I's cousin, and then she married a Queen's musician. But she was also an incredibly ambitious and talented woman all on her own. Having published a volume of poetry in 1611 in Latin, she became the first woman in England to declare herself a professional poet. And then later, in 1613, she ran a school for some years until she was arrested for rental disputes. She then took her late husband's brother to court for money and won. Her poetry is often read as proto-feminist and has some really interesting themes. The volume in Latin tells the story of Christ's passion satirically and almost wholly from a female point of view. Specifically, she defends Eve in the Garden of Eden and argues that Adam shares most of the guilt as he should have been able to resist the temptation of the forbidden fruit. When this didn't go down too well with various members of 17th century century society, which isn't too surprising as you can imagine, she said that she had been instructed to write the work in a divine dream. What a great defence. For now, it's that time again to leave you all for this week. I hope you've learned a little more about the gender pay gap and that you've enjoyed the week's music. Thank you very much for listening. To close the show, here's Fifth Harmony with Work From Home.
I'ma buy a new Celine, let her ride in the foreign to me. Ooh, she the babe, I'm her boo, and she down to break the rules. Ride or die, she gon' go, I'm gon' do, she finesse. I pipe up, she take that, put in overtime on your body. The Chilean British Radio.